Hello everyone, we are so happy to have you with us. This is Jerry Lee, standing in for the Manifester, and tonight we continue the subject of regeneration versus reincarnation. <clears throat> so we're happy to have you with us, and it is an exciting subject because it is really an essential subject to know. And people might wonder, you know, did what did Jesus, uh, you know, have to say? What did he believe in regeneration? Well, I want to read a few scriptures to you that I think are very important. And uh, I'm going to do a lot of reading tonight. And I want to go slow and I want to make it as simple as possible so that everyone can follow me. And you can really get into this thing uh, that we're trying to get across to you. So Luke chapter 9, verse 8. Luke 9, verse 8. And some... And this is verse 8. I guess I should talk out. In verse 7, it talks about Herod. And it says that uh, he was perplexed because it was being said of some that John was risen from the dead. Now, Herod was the one that had his head chopped. Had uh, John's head chopped off. <clears throat> but this uh, leader, big-time politician and leader... Uh, who had, you know, total authority under Rome, uh, he he really believed that although he had chopped John's head off, that John was risen from the dead. And some people were saying that it was Elias, which means Elijah, uh, had appeared. And others were saying, well, it's one of the old prophets that was risen again. Now, when anybody tries to tell us that regeneration and the incarnation of a past life into a new life is not something ever mentioned in the Bible, those are people speaking that don't do not know the Bible. They've not read the Bible because this subject is all through the Bible. And if I started reading all the scriptures that I could read about it, I could not get through this broadcast today. But I will, you know, give you a lot of scriptures, but we cannot cover everything. Now let's um, <clears throat> let's get into the the book of Mark, which is uh, the um, the the uh, gospel uh, just before Luke. And let's get to the um, the sixth chapter, Luke chapter six. Uh, pardon me, Mark chapter six. And I want to read what it says. And this is uh, this is what it says. Uh, we're into Luke six thirteen through sixteen. Six thirteen through sixteen. Um, we'll start with fourteen. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore. Uh, mighty works uh, do show themselves uh, themselves in him. Others said it is Elias or Elijah, and others said it is, a, it is a prophet or one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, 
It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Now, are you getting this? Are you, are you beginning to see that in that day of the disciples, in that day of Jesus Christ on earth in the flesh, that people already believed and had, be, that had been believing for generations of time that people came back from having, having died from one life and they came back in another body. People believe that. Now let's go to um, uh, that was that was Mark. In case I didn't say what it was, that was Mark six, and we started with uh, verse fourteen, uh, and that was through sixteen. So Mark six, uh, fourteen through sixteen. Sorry, and then let's go to Mark eight, and Mark eight twenty seven, uh, and let's see what it says. And Jesus went out. And his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Whom do men say that I am? Now, Jesus was ex in, in, you know, exciting this subject because he was very well aware that people were looking and hoping and expecting for the revitalization or the incarnation of these prophets of the past. They were expecting and hoping for that. And they ans answered uh, John the Baptist. But some say Elias and others one of the prophets. So this subject was not minor mode. This subject was a current thing happening in the days of John the Baptist, happening in the days of Jesus Christ and the disciples as they lived and walked and ministered on earth. And why would Herod, why would people be so emphatic because they all knew that John had been beheaded. That was that information had gone everywhere. Why would they be so emphatic to want to think that, well, it was John the Baptist again. He had come back. Well, don't you see, isn't it clear to you that these people understood the book of Malachi? That when it said that Elijah the prophet was coming back before the coming of the Lord, and it made it very, very clear that it was a, a must situation. That if it didn't, he didn't come, then just the opposite would happen. Instead of it being, you know, Hosanna in the highest type of thing, it would be just the opposite. There would be, uh, you know, disaster come to the earth. And we don't need to go into all of that right now, because that's another subject all of its own. But they were expecting not for John the Baptist to uh, sort of come in the spirit of him, they were expecting that this was Elijah in another body. Now, when they said to John the Baptist, Are you Elijah? And he said, No. Because that was the truth. He, he was not, did not take on that body. 
He did not take on the Elijah body. He had the John the Baptist body. But his spirit was the Elijah spirit. And so when Jesus was referring to, if you will receive it, if you will receive it, the scripture says that Elijah must come, must come. And I say to you, he has already come, and they have done what they will with him. And the Bible says, and the disciples understood that he was plainly speaking of John the Baptist. If you will receive it. Why would he say, if you will receive it? Would they have a hard time receiving that he had come in the spirit? Uh, you know, like some people like to say that he wasn't actually uh, really the spirit of John the Baptist, but just sort of like in the essence of. No, they were they were not expecting that, and they were not they were not thinking of that at all, and 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 neither were these scriptures that are referring to it having to do anything having anything to do with that kind of an idea. Uh, we're not saying that kind of an idea is impossible, but that is not what happened. What really happened is that Elijah came. His spirit came and was born on earth. Just like Jesus came. And his spirit was born on earth. And before he was Jesus, he was someone else, like Melchizedek. And he came after his order. And he came as Jesus Christ. So, I find that so exciting. And I find that so utterly interesting. I want to read lots of scriptures. You're going to hear me, uh, you know, fumbling around with the, the pages. Uh, but, um, hey, before we uh, <clears throat> get into this any deeper, um, we're still working um, deeply on the Peace Bible to get, you know, things finished up with it. We still have some work to do. Uh, it's um, just a big job. It's, it's, it's a big book. And it's quite a bit over a thousand pages. And that's, that's a lot of pages. But I was doing a little research last night. I, I already really knew this, but I, I just wanted to check it out. And um, and sure enough, uh, in my research, it, it declares that um, the Bible tops the best bookseller list every year. And uh, that nothing, nothing outsells uh, the Bible. Uh, there are more than a hundred million Bibles sold every year. And um, uh, there has been over six billion and over six billion, six billion Bibles. So this is almost enough a Bible for almost every person in the world, in, in, on earth. Uh, but uh, other numbers say quite a bit higher than that. But anyway, uh, the point is is made that even in this um, this time when uh, we are, you know, there's a, it, it is. Some people would say it's a godless age. Uh, Bibles are still incredibly popular. They're still selling. They outsell every other book, every other book on the market. They're the top. So, hey, be comfortable in your checking into the things of God because the Bible is a popular book and it's still selling 
and outselling everything else. And I can tell you that the Peace Bible, Peace Manifest Bible, is going to be incredibly interesting. And it's going to be popular. Okay, now there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians, and I want to read this to you before I read another scripture. I'm going to back up a little bit and cover a few things I covered last week uh, for the sake of any of you people that may be here that didn't hear some of the teaching last week. Uh, Of course, I hope that you all know that these messages are recorded and that even after the message is over uh, and a day or two days or a week or a month later, you can go on the uh, manifest um, Starrise community, and you can uh, re, you know you can replay these uh, teachings that were done. So um, in Second Corinthians chapter five verse ten, it says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds." in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad I want to read that again for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad 2 Corinthians 5.10 now this is the idea that when the translators were working with the scriptures, especially uh, working with the scripture in in Hebrews, this is the idea that they had to contend with. They had to contend with the idea that um, <clears throat> there was going to be this judgment day, and everybody. And this was this would happen at the end of time. This would have to happen after the the thrones came down and the ancient of, of days set, and you know everything reaching its its uh, final resolution. So when they come up with this scripture, um, Hebrews nine twenty seven, it is appointed unto one uh, unto men uh, once uh, to die. Uh, you know, and even though they did some fancy footwork to be able to come up with that kind of a, uh, uh, a translation, um, and I've explained that last week, that um, in the original Greek that was changed into the Latin Vulgate, uh, the thing was uh, with the with the uh, Greek syntax. Uh, was that the word once was before the subject men and that is extremely important uh, because that changes it from it is appointed unto men once to die and it changes it it is appointed once men die Uh, so the difference is is that it is not saying that you live in one life and, and and that's it you have only once to die uh, but it is saying instead is it is important is it important it is appointed once men die that they will be judged that, that they will go through an assessment and that is extremely important now the other important thing is that the definite article that they use and they put in there uh, you know um, 
that this is is happening uh, before the judgment. You know, when when they when they put that in there uh, and they they show that that is the judgment. You know, like it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. So they are connecting it to this verse that I read you in Second Corinthians five ten, and they are saying so. You know, people just stay in their graves, or their spirit is down in Hades, and they're all waiting for what, whenever that is, however long that is, and then they'll all be gathered together and they'll all get this judgment uh, because man can only die one time and then he gets, then it's the judgment. So when they say the judgment, the judgment is referring to this Second Corinthians 5.10, uh, which is that final judgment time. But when you take the definite article out, the, which it is, it is not in. Now some people think, well, I can go to my inner linear and that'll tell me. You cannot be confident in knowing that the inner linear will tell you. Uh, that is not any way of trying to prove for sure what something has been translated to. Uh, in the real translations, um, you cannot use the the, the interlinear uh, to uh, be something you can depend upon. But if you're talking a lexicon or you're talking, you know, a really good concordance, uh, that is quite a different thing. But interlinears uh, have all kinds of problems as far as, as they're helpful, but as far as being able to really give you the total, you know, uh, adequate source. Now, it just so happens that, that in the interlinear, uh, at least all that I have read, that the, um, uh, you know, the, the definite article is missing. It does not show it to be there. It has the word that, but not the word the. So, uh, but but I, I am not using that uh, for my determination to say that it shouldn't be there because uh, you have to go much deeper in, into the Hebrew language uh, than just the interlinear. Okay, so now we've got two things that are changed in this verse. Number one, uh, there is there is a, a, a syntax change, so that the once is put uh, after men, uh, the subject men, instead of before it, uh, changing it so that um, it makes it so so that men um, can only die one time. Um, and uh, not making it so that that once men die, then they have to be assessed for that life that they lived. And that is what it really is saying, and that is the real intent of it. And there are so many other uh, areas. It's just like with um, with the scriptures on um, uh, you know John the Baptist, and when it's talking about John the Baptist, it says that. Um, that you know that uh, John the Baptist came in the spirit of uh, of Elijah in the spirit, but actually in the very original it was not in and the spirit and so forth. It was it was with the spirit of. So when they changed that, they changed the major meaning of that verse. And that's why people can come back and say, well, it's just talking about that he sort of came like in the essence of, in the spirit of. But when it says he came with the spirit of, 
that makes it extremely definitely clear that John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah. And what's happened in that particular case is Jerome, uh, he had some ideas, and uh, his ideas, of course, was to protect the church against the doctrines of reincarnation. So he suggested uh, that particular kind, that particular change, and uh, and people um, that were, you know, in in the scribe and making and and some of the fathers, uh, they uh, coincided with that. That uh, yeah, that's that sounds good, and they went ahead and took out the width and put it put it in the other uh, preparational uh, phrases and changed whatever adverbs or whatever they needed to change. Uh, and and believe me, there is a lot of uh, versatility uh, when you start uh, uh, transliterating uh, between one language to another because like you know you take the Hebrew language um, it, 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 it does not have any, any time frame you can't really uh, have, with the words have a, spe- a specific time uh, uh, except as you might apply an adverb which is, is definitely a roundabout way of trying to prove something and and there are many many things uh, in Hebrews and in the Greek, the old Greek that is not translational uh, into English and into other languages. And so, uh, in order to uh, have them to be translational, they have to furnish uh, some of the verbs. Uh, for instance, you know, people just don't know; they just start updated, and and it's uh, it's not some revelation or new thing it's just old stuff but but the original bible uh, uh, you know the ri- original cortex that they that they uh, they used uh, the did not have any punctuation did not have any accent marks so um, uh, all of the text ran together there was no spaces in between in between words, and, and and sometimes if there was a consonant where there was two consonants, then they would just put one, and you were to understand that it was two consonants uh, just by understanding it from the reading of it once you separated the words, and that's how it was. And it wasn't uh, until many hundreds of years later that that a group of priests, um, the Masoretic priests, began to uh, uh, you know, use um, these accent signs, and uh, and they did a very good job. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But there are some things that they did do, uh, and 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 how they did it that did change some some important meanings uh, on some of the words. So, uh, uh, but but you know, when when someone says, oh, you know, be real careful about this scripture and revelations, you know, that you don't add anything or take anything away from the word because if you do you'll be in serious uh, trouble uh, but but uh, ask any <laughs> ask any translator uh, that's translating uh, from uh, Hebrew or Greek into to English and let's, let's just say the Greek that was translated right there in Revelations uh, where that it said if you add or you know take anything away from this verse then you know your name will be taken away from the kingdom of heaven ask them if they could put 
the, the, the Hebrew or the Greek words in word for word. And they'll tell you absolutely not. It's, it's, it, it would not even make a credible uh, uh, writ. So they have to add words that are not in the Greek in order to just make it so that you can read it and understand it. So uh, when people say, boy, you better not add anything, uh, the translators had to add or otherwise you wouldn't even understand what was written. And we, we've got to get away from some of these ridiculous things that people have been threatened about and, and, and uh, made to worry about uh, because some religious order was afraid they would change their uh, concepts and uh, get people to believe it. All right, I'm just throwing in all this kind of stuff here tonight, and I hope I'm not uh, getting over your head because uh, we're just getting started. Okay, so now um, in this scripture, we've got to get that straight right off the bat. That that scripture about Hebrews 9.27 is appointed the men once to die is an incorrect translation. And so when people throw that up in your face and say you can only die one time, that is an incorrect translation. And if that was a true translation, then every time that Jesus went out and raised people from the dead, people that had died and now they were going to die another time, he would have been violating the law. And going way back in, in, into the history of time, people that, that were raised and, and came to life again. And, and of course, the whole thing with, with uh, John the Baptist, if he would have been the, the resurrection of, uh, uh, and the incarnation of, of Elijah, and he was living again, then that, that would have uh, you know, uh, uh, been exactly a, a violation uh, of, uh, our, of what we are saying about this uh, uh, appointed unto men wants to die not being a correct translation. So get this down because this is essential and this is incredibly, incredibly important. Now, I went over this next thing I want to go over. I went over it last week, but I want to hit it again. But just before I do, let's talk about the word reincarnation. Well, let's break it down. The word re means again. And when we talk about uh, into carn, C-I-R-N, you know, like in car, carn, like reincarnation, reincarnation, uh, it represents the flesh, a body. And, and then the, uh, the, the ion uh, represents, you know, is the process of the word. And uh, when you put all these, uh, these um, points together, uh, it, it's, it is talking about <clears throat> coming into flesh again. That's what reincarnation means. The word itself is not an incorrect word. It's just that it's become polluted with other meanings that, that, that we do not uh, believe. And that's why in our teaching of re-in-generation, uh, it, it does allow for incarnation uh, from a past life to another life. But it does not allow for it uh, on the basis of the Hindu doctrine of, re, uh, of re uh, reincarnation. 
for instance, in, re, in reincarnation, uh, the Hindus teach, um, you know, transmigration, which uh, you can come back into a bug, you can come back into an animal, you don't necessarily just come back into uh, a human being. They, they also teach the karma, the caste system, in which, uh, you know, uh, wh- however you are born, whatever condition you are born in, whatever state of poorness or health, uh, that is part of your judgment from a past life. Um, we're not saying there isn't the smallest teeny bit of truth in that, but we're saying that the general overall presentation of that is is not correct. And and what it, uh, it does is it, it takes away from anybody uh, having the right to really help these people that are uh, in their karma and they're in their uh, their their caste system uh, because you know if you don't let them work their karma out, they'll have to, have to just keep uh, recycling and coming back and coming back and coming back. So it, it really uh, endangers the idea of mercy and and reaching out to help people that are suffering. Uh, we don't believe in either one of those two things, therefore. Uh, it also... There is the um, in in the uh, continuous recycling of reincarnation. Uh, there is the loss of identity, uh, relationship-wise, uh, you know, defined uh, by the body, in which um, you have you know people that are so um, so involved with. Um, you know, feeling like, well, you know, when I when I die, I'm going to see my mommy and my daddy. I'm going to see my brothers and my sister. I'm going to see my husband or my wife. And uh, if you dare tell them it's even slightly any different, well, you know, to them you're you are you're a devil uh, because you know they love those persons and they want to see them again. And and I can totally understand that. And I am not saying that is. It's going to be any different than that right at this moment, uh, but I'm going to try to explain how that it really does work, so that you you get the the right idea on this and you don't get the wrong idea. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, once told the people that tried to explain something about uh, <clears throat> about the next life and uh, about this woman who had married someone and then the the, the husband died and then he met, she married another fellow and he died and another fellow another fellow another fellow they all died and uh, the parable was okay in the resurrection uh, who uh, of these husbands will be the one that gets this this wife you know they all come back and and they come into this uh, into this holding place and they're all maybe in love with her they all love her equally let's say and they all feel that that you know she was my wife and now I should be able to be with her. She's my wife. And so you got, you know, seven, eight, nine people there all worked up and, and arguing. Well, uh, she's mine because I had her first. And the other fellow says, oh, that doesn't count. She's mine because I had her last. Uh, and 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 it's just a, a circle of nobody getting anywhere. And Jesus says, you know, you do greatly err, not understanding the scripture. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels. And in, in another uh, uh, verse, it says we are equal with the angels. So uh, people have been taught things are going to happen a certain way, and, and they get to believing that and get to depending on that. 
just like with the with the Mormons, um, uh, are, not the Mormons, but the the Muslims. Sorry, but the Muslims. Um, uh, they they believe that uh, if they uh, and this isn't all of the Muslims. So please don't say that think that I'm knocking any religion or I'm putting anyone down. I'm just uh, speaking what uh, at least a sect of the uh, of the uh, <coughs> Muslims believe. And some people pronounce that Muslims, but I was told by a, a Muslim high authority once that they pronounce it Muslim. So I've pronounced it that way ever since. Anyway, make a long story short, uh, they tell these young people that, you know, if you if you go out and bomb yourself and and kill the enemy, even though these might just be families, uh, you'll immediately go to paradise, and you, you'll have anything and everything you want uh, for eternity. And 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 you know, young people believe that, and so they think, wow, okay, so I die, but I'll immediately I'll have this paradise, and I'll have whatever I want. Uh, there are people that that it's not on the same scale of rudeness and and uh, and ruthlessness. But it is on a scale of error in which some people think that, you know, uh, that everything is going to be exactly a certain way. Uh, uh, like, for instance, that uh, when they get into the other, other life, uh, that they're going to... Um, you know, look like they look now. Uh, they're going to recognize everybody, uh, and they're going to see their mom and dad. And mom and dad will look youthful. Um, uh, there is a certain reality of that that happens, but it, it is just a very temporal time, and it's only uh, it's, it's it happens in this period called the residue period, in which there is a, a residue of thought, a residue of of. Uh, relational uh, uh, situations that have to do with the life that you lived before you died and went into this interlude place and and your body holds your spirit holds and maintains uh, that for a while and so uh, because that even though someone may have died uh, you know 50 years ago um, and you think, well, 50 years ago, you know, uh, would they still hold that residue? It just isn't like that. Uh, the way it really is in the Alpha and the Omega is that when uh, you die, the time in the, uh, the uh, interlude kingdom is so different from the time here on earth that when you go to the interlude or wherever it is that you go in the spirit world uh, it will it will be as though you are going there at the same time that everybody else has so even if your father died 50 years ago when you go there it, it will be as though he has just now arrived because the time uh, zone is so totally different and I know that can be difficult to understand or achieve but uh, and then for this period of time short period of time um, 
you know, there'll be certain recognition. Uh, but you have to understand that in our teachings that we were orphanims, the real revelation is that we will be known as we were known. And it's talking about as we were known before the foundations of the world. So it is far more important to know who we are, we were as orphanims than it is to know who we were uh, as Tom, Dick, George, and Hank, and, and, and all of those kind of things. And we have to understand that we will all be one body, one body of Christ, the bride of Christ, as one. You know, and Jesus says, I will be in God, God will be in me, you will be in me, I will be in you. Uh, and there is this particular kind of, of oneness that we will have. And that love uh, will be a love that encompasses all of God's people in a oneness. And that's why we'll be more like the angels. Uh, you know, uh, we'll be equal to the angels uh, instead of being just like we were on earth with all of the thing with, uh, with relatives and families and so forth forth like that. Okay, now uh, uh, maybe you'll have to learn the art of swallowing to be able to just take all of that down, but just do the best you can. Uh, the other thing is um, in these um, things of reincarnation that are taught that are not the same as re-ingeneration um, is uh, like the modern denial of any life uh, before birth. Reincarnationists do not believe that, they, that there was uh, any um, uh, pre-life before uh, being here on earth. So it does not even provide uh, why spirits were created in the first place. And, uh, and, and these people that uh, went into their first incarnation of that beginning life on earth, uh, you know, wh where did the spirit come from? It doesn't even answer any of that because it is so limited uh, on this thing of not believing in, in uh, you know, pre-existence. Uh, and we certainly do believe in pre-existence, so re-ingeneration has some vast differences. Uh, the karma caste system thing, the transmigration thing, the the misunderstanding of the loss of identity thing, uh, and then this thing of denial of pre-existence. Uh, those are major things. Add to that uh, these uh, ideas that uh, many of these people have to uh, uh, attain enlightenment. Uh, they have to go into self, uh, you know, deprivation and and uh, and and really suffer, you know, and, and deny themselves. And uh, you know, sometimes if they've done that for 13 years, uh, then they will enter into the you know uh, to this state, you know, uh, uh, the nirvana state, um, and 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 they will cease desire immediately, and they will come into this mind consciousness with God. Um, we don't agree with that. Uh, there is a certain aspect of it that is true, but we don't believe that you have to go out and self-inflict yourself and self-deprive yourself because we believe that Jesus is our proxy and Jesus has taken on our sins and that when we, um, he, when Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, the blood representing the life that he lived, 
and and the flesh, the bread, representing the the, the physical life. Also, they both are are you know in the same dimension, but they're they're parallel within that same body. And it, it is so important to understand that 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 uh, this this idea of uh, believing in Christ with the endless recycling of of reincarnation. Uh, you don't need to have a Christ. You don't need to have a Savior. You don't need to have a Messiah according to that kind of doctrine, uh, because they basically teach uh, that you know you just keep cycling until one day you're finally you're finally purified. Uh, we do not believe in reincarnation. Uh, based on not the word, but based on what has become attached to that word uh, with among the Hindus and the Buddhists. And we're not knocking those religions, but we're just saying they have some things that uh, just are not Christian. They do not coincide with the Christian faith, and we are not there. We are not, we're not into the Hindu approach or into the Buddhist approach as far as uh, uh, any of those things are concerned. Okay, I think that's important to get that down. Now, let's get back on this other thing. We talked about this last week, but but this this is major. This is absolutely major. In the fourth chapter of the book of Malachi, and the fifth verse, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, don't pay too much attention to some of these um, adjectives adjectives and and uh, even verbs sometimes that get used because uh, although they're translated into the old English uh, they still have a carryover back then and they don't necessarily really give the updated word like for instance when it is, when it talks about uh, you know terrible and you know like and God was terrible well we, we, we might think of like oh that means that God wasn't good that he was he was bad he was a terrible person uh, but back then it was a word that sort of meant something like awesome God is awesome he's terrible he's incredible and, and so it had a different meaning and that meaning has changed over the years uh, so so uh, and, and I don't have the time to get into the uh, you know translation thing of all these words but but uh, in the fifth verse behold I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and smite the earth with the curse. Now this thing of the curse is very very important and and it was revealed and I mentioned this last week too, is revealed to Moses and he understood that you had to choose between two different ways. The curse was on one side and, and, and the blessings were on the other and this was described in Galatians as these two different women's that, that were two different mountains well in the Old Testament there were like two different mountains two different mountain passes and uh, there would be a reader that would stand up, and this is in in the in the Old Testament, and he would read the curses, and the people would pass 
by him while he's reading the curses and and then there was another uh, uh, a reader uh, that was reading the, the blessings and they would pass by him as he's reading the blessings and and this was to make these people know you know you can choose uh, you know choose this day select this day what you're going to have do you want the curses or do you want do you, do you want the blessings and uh, uh, and someday very soon I'll be doing this thing on the Ark of the Covenant and I'll be showing you that that uh, that the tablets that were broken were, were the tablets of the blessings and that the ones that we got now are the tablets of the curses and there was a couple exceptions of two two uh, two entries uh, which were you know to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor and I'll explain all that and even though it looks like when you read it that it was done just exactly the same I'll show you the difference but that's coming up the road but uh, this happened uh, back in the days of, of the Garden of Eden too because uh, there was in that garden both both the curse the you know, the the tree of of uh, you know good and evil that had the curse and then there was the tree of of life that had the blessing you could eat and live forever and uh, and what happened is due to the circumstances due to all the things that occurred uh, the transgressions that the Bible says in Timothy that Eve did uh, they ended up with the with the tree of of the curse and so what had to be removed by Jesus Christ was not um, the sentence of life which would have been in the tree of blessing if they had eaten of the of the of the tree of life but what had to be removed was the was the, the curse uh, that was in the tree of good and evil knowledge and that had to be removed so when Jesus was hung on the cross um, the Bible says cursed is everyone that hangs on a you know on a tree the cross was a, considered a tree and and uh, so uh, he took the sentence of death which was part of that curse and he became the proxy for it so that that curse could be removed and so that we would then have provision for the blessings to be put back on which was the way to the tree of life okay now back to the importance of this thing with um, with this scripture and he shall turn we're in uh, Malachi 4 verse 6 and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children is speaking about Elijah and the heart of the children to their fathers least I come and smite the earth with a curse the curse is still there and this is at the end of the Old Testament before the New Testament now there's a lot of different scriptures here and we're going to just need to take the time to read them because it's so extremely important but I want to make this statement I made it last week <clears throat> Jesus himself said you know Elijah must come and Elijah has come all of the the Hebrew priests and the scribes the Pharisees they understood that Elijah had to come before Jesus the Messiah or before the Messiah could come they understood that had to happen and they understood that if the Messiah 
um, or that if the Elijah did not come, then the this Messiah would not be coming either. That the Bible had set it up as a sign and set it up as a very important uh, mission uh, to to put things in the proper perspective, uh, and that it had to happen. It was a must thing. And so, when the when the Jews of today they look at this situation. They're going to say, well, uh, Elijah has not come back. So if Elijah has not come back, then the Messiah has not come. And we do not believe the Messiah has come. Therefore, we do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Because the Messiah uh, is to be preceded by Elijah the prophet. And Elijah the prophet has not come back. And of course, they do not accept this thing about John the Baptist coming in the spirit or the essence of. But if the real truth could be preached the way it would need to be preached, the way we're trying to, to show it to you now, that no, this was not the body of Elijah, but it was the spirit of Elijah. And the spirit reincarnated into a, a baby uh, whose mother was, was Elizabeth, and that baby was so special and so different that it was born with the Holy Ghost. It already had the Holy Spirit at birth, just like Jesus as a babe did. So we had these two uh, uh, births that was like something only six months apart. And it, it is really quite incredible uh, uh, when, you, when you consider uh, that that parallel there uh, of those two births and so this John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Ghost from the mother's womb was definitely the Elijah that was to come and Jesus said if you will receive it this is the Elijah that was to come and that must come and if we don't believe that ladies and gentlemen and we, we go off on this tangent like some of the traditionalists are on, then basically what is being done by that denial is we are denying that the Messiah has come. Because unless the Elijah comes, then the Messiah cannot be Jesus Christ, according to the Bible. So when people are not believing it correctly and not saying it correctly, they are rendering a very improper thing toward the scriptures and toward the whole meaning of this essential action that had to occur. <coughs> Praise the name of God. So it's very important we understand and get this down. I want to repeat it again. If you deny that Elijah incarnated into John the Baptist, into John the Baptist, that it was not the same body as Elijah. That's why John said, I am not Elijah, talking about the body. Because it was the spirit. If you fail to recognize that that whole thing was given an institute of complex reasoning on the Mount of Transfiguration 
when Elijah and Moses appeared as in the transfiguration through Jesus Christ. What was the message? The same message. The same message. So very, very, very important. Okay, let's um, let's look at some of these scriptures. Uh, we'll just have to go through them pretty fast because there's so much to cover. Go to Luke chapter one, and let's just look uh, what was being said. And we'll read this again. I know we read it last week. We'll read it again. Okay. <clears throat> so we're Luke one uh, seventeen. And he shall go before in the spirit of the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared of the Lord. Now, here is a a priest who is who is uh, ministering uh, via an angel. And and Zechariah is receiving this information about John being born with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> the name had not even been given yet. They would not have wanted to call this baby Elijah. If they called this baby Elijah everyone would know exactly where they were getting at that this was Elijah that was coming and they would have been after that baby to kill it and to destroy it just like Herod tried to kill the, the babies uh, uh, that he did kill all those babies trying to kill Jesus so they, they knew better than to call that baby Elijah even though it was a different ba a body, still it was the spirit of Elijah. So they called, you know, it was revealed to him then later to call it John, and and uh, and that was that was proper. And yet all these things that applied to Elijah, as it is mentioning in this scripture here, he shall go before him with is what it should say the spirit and power of Elijah not in the spirit and power of Elijah but with the spirit but you know changes have been made and it's made it very confusing for a lot of people and Zechariah said unto the angel whereby shall I know this I'm an old man my wife well stricken in years and the angel answering said I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God I'm sent to speak unto thee and show thee these glad tidings. Here is an archangel, one of the greatest angels, that is revealing this to Zacharias. What a verification of this incarnation, of this reincarnation of Elijah into an, a body from the past back again wow I think it's incredible I think it's incredible okay let's look at some more uh, let's look at uh, Matthew 17 10 through 13 Matthew 17 10 through 13 we'll just uh, try to 
catch this as fast as we can. I know we did these last week, but we got to do them again. Okay, Matthew 17. And his disciples asked him, saying, and asked Jesus, Why then say the scribes, Elias, which means Elijah, must come first? I understand. The scribes, the people involved in the writing of the scriptures, the copying of the scriptures, they all know this. They are all saying this. We all read you the other scripture where, where Herod even understood that. And, and the people were ruining that. The common people on the streets, in the streets, about the streets, they were all knew this was a huge subject. They all understood that Elijah must, must come first. And, and they asked Jesus, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must come? must first come. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah is already come, and they knew him not. Now, they, what do you mean they didn't know? They knew his name was John the Baptist. So when they said, okay, uh, there's this guy out there in the desert preaching by the name of John the Baptist. So uh, we don't like the things he's saying. Let's bring him into prison. But what they did not know is who he really was. And Jesus says that. They did not know. They did not know that John the Baptist was Elijah. And they destroyed him. It's so interesting what a parallel that is to Jesus. Because in Corinthians it says that if the princes of this world had known who Jesus really was, they would not have crucified him. So here you have people crucifying Jesus because they don't know who he really is. You have people killing John the Baptist not knowing who he really is. And you have Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And there he predicted it. It's going to happen to me too. What they've done to John the Baptist, not recognizing who he was, they will not recognize who I am. As they've killed him, they're going to kill me. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. I don't know how clear that people need it. I don't know how clear people want it to see and to understand something that's so absolutely incredibly uh, clear. Let's look at uh, Mark 9, 11-13. And let's see if I read that one yet or not. Yeah, I read that to you early, so we didn't need to repeat that. Let's look at Matthew 11, 12-13. That may also be one that I read earlier. I don't know. 12 to... Th okay. 11, Matthew 11, 12-13. 11, 12-13. Here we go. You guys hang in there now, you ladies and gentlemen and people. Um, oh, this is very good. For all the prophets and the law 
prophesied unto John. And if you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. And so the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. All of the prophets, all of the law was prior to that book. And after that book comes the New Testament and John. It's the evidence is just incredible and beautiful. It's incredible and beautiful. Okay. So, I hope that we've got this down pat. That's part. I hope you got that down pat. That in this regeneration, the traditionalist, the early church fathers, they were they were privy to agreeing to some changes. I'm not by any means trying to say that I think that their intent was evil. I think they really believed what they believed and and they thought those things would take away from their Christian views. But they were just incorrect. They were wrong. And those same kind of people that were wrong are sort of like the scripture that says that same veil that was over the faces of, of the people when they read Moses is still over their faces today. I think that it's very much like that still in this day and age. There is still this mental darkness, this spiritual darkness. And I think the prophecy of Jesus has only come true on one part. It's still going to be fulfilled on another part. When he said, see this building out here, the day will come that not one stone will stand upon another. That's a physical reality. Yeah, you know, you know, in, in, in 70 AD, it, it came to pass. But the spiritual reality of the people that are believing in, in these dark, ingrained ways, uh, those kind of stones uh, are also going to have to be removed. So there's none of those standing one upon uh, another any longer. So I think that uh, there's, you know, it's very, very important to to absolutely realize and assess the, those things. Uh, reincarnation is not anything new; it it, it it goes back, and 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 of course, uh, the the Hindus in a sense and the Buddhists are since are correct uh, <clears throat> on this on the idea that the ultimate resolution of it is um, reuniting with uh, the uh, or uh, with a return to God consciousness because that is even what we teach uh, when we refer to the teachings of the of the ofanim, the fallen ofanim, uh, this return to God consciousness okay so if John was not Elijah then the Messiah hasn't come and Paul says, hey, if this thing with Jesus isn't real, if the re resurrection and all these things that we're teaching isn't real, then we of we have all men are the most miserable. All these things we're preaching, all these things we're writing, all these ministry and missionary work we're doing, it's just all in vain. Don't even half think that you don't want to be into to, to regeneration. Don't even don't even for a glimmering think of it. It's absolutely an essential doctrine. Without that understanding, uh, 
you are into into a doctrine that does not have mercy. So it says, oh yeah, the Lord forgives. Ah, you are in a doctrine that does not have mercy. Because you've got everything happened to happen in one life. And we've got we've got verses in, in the scripture um, in which it says that there are some people, because of the things that they did, that they were under a curse for ten generations. And it would be ten generations before they would have their opportunity to rectify that. And I'll get into that scripture if I have time before the day is up. But that that is extremely vital and important, uh, you know, to, to understand that. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely important. Okay. Now, um, let's... Uh, Let's just look at and see what else that we want to talk about. Um, in Second Kings, don't turn there. Uh, I'm not going to turn there. In Second Kings to eleven, you can write that down uh, just to show that uh, uh, the prophet Elijah did not experience physical death. Uh, he was taken up with the chariots, and uh, but then later appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, in Luke 9, 30-33. Uh, so, 2 Kings 2, 11. He t- is taken up alive and reappears in this uh, transfiguration uh, uh, through Jesus uh, using the body of Jesus. The transfiguration is Jesus taking on different forms. And I explained that a little bit last week. I don't have time to get into that today. But it's a beautiful thing. The Bible says the 16th chapter of um, of the book of, um, of Mark that Jesus appeared uh, to people in different forms. So we see the importance of that, uh, that thing of appearing, uh, you know, to people in different forms. So blessed be the name the name of God uh, you know there there are are some uh, very interesting scriptures really uh, that have to do about uh, regeneration I think Jacob's ladder uh, in Genesis 28 12 uh, where you know there are angels ascending and descending uh, I think that that the implications of that uh, are 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 30, 60, 100 fold. There's three different levels of it. And I think one of those levels is, you know, is people uh, uh, dying and rising. And then people coming back to be uh, regenerated again. It's a c- continuous thing that that is occurring. And, and uh, you know, I, I think when the scripture tells about, for there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will spout again. Um, the idea is that if a human being uh, dies as far as their body is concerned, even though that is cut down and ceases to be, their spirit is still alive. So there's always hope because of the spirit that that person can have another chance, another time, and another chance uh, because of the spirit. And and you know that that's a really neat scripture. Uh, David he wrote and and uh, he said, "For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell." Neither wilt thou, thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Um, thou wilt, 
show me the path of life in the presence of the fullness of joy and um, some will say well I, that was talking about Jesus Christ uh, it very well uh, uh, could have been and I don't deny it but that's only one of the folds he was also talking about David and, and the scripture also says that, that David has not yet ascended and the reason he has not yet ascended is because he's going to be uh, regenerated into another human body and 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 he's going to uh, and and if you read it and you look it up, you'll see where David is going to actually come and live again and rule uh, over uh, Israel as one of their kings, as as one of the, in the in the as we get to the close of the times of regeneration, and uh, and that's the reason he's never gone. So when he says you will not leave my soul in 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 hell, actually the word it really came from uh, you know was Sheol, uh, and that means the grave. You're not going to leave my soul in the grave. Uh, you're going to bring me out of here. Uh, me, meaning not the body, but meaning what the body stood for and the calling of the destiny and, and his spirit would would come and take another body. That's that's what that's all about. And and, uh, and he even goes on, uh, you know, and that, that by the way is uh, Psalms 16, 10, uh, and 11. And then he goes on in Psalms 33, 18 and 19. It says, But God will redeem, will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. So we, we see these kind of scriptures are all through the Bible. And, uh, and they're, they're referring to this thing uh, that has to do with uh, the spirit and the restoration. And they're there. They're just very, very important. Uh, uh, the psalmist later on says, "Thou wilt, the, uh, wilt, wilt, wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee?" As Psalms eighty-five six, you know, will they, will thou not revive us again? He uses the word revive, and and, and what that really has is applicable to is the the incarnation into flesh again and so I just find those kind of scriptures uh, beautiful and and uh, very very uh, you know very applicable to, to all these things we're doing um, in the um, the old um, testament uh, you know it talks about the potter's house and it talks about um, you know uh, arise and go down to the potter's house and, uh, and and he goes down the potter's house, and and the potter is uh, doing the work on the wheels. Now you know we can think in terms of the recycling, the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, uh, as what seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me, uh, 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 saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter, saith the Lord? In other words, God was saying, can't you see, even from the example of the potter, that that a vessel breaks and mars and becomes, you know, not capable of life any longer? But I can take it, I can remake that. I can just use the wheel of life and I can remake it. So that, so that uh, you know, the person can live again, be incarnated again 
in a body, a body of clay, just like this clay that it, it is referring to, you know. And then uh, um, there is Daniel twelve thirteen, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. And the word lot is very interesting because there is the perfect lot. It's like the Urim and the Thummim. And it's like, you know, you you go and you there's this place you go and you wait for your time to come up to come back and be regenerated again. You'll go and you'll stand and and uh, you'll be in all and, and the end of time the end of time goes on uh, uh, for those 70,000 generations uh, connect Daniel 90 and uh, uh, pardon me sorry start over connect Psalms 90 with Psalms 105 and you'll see the 70 years uh, or the 80 years uh, you've got a choice there are two things that can happen to you for your your uh, life uh, expectancy and um, uh, then you see where <clears throat> he makes this covenant of a thousand generations and so you get this 70 to 80 thousand generations between those two uh, uh, chapters uh, Psalms 90 and Psalms 105 and and uh, and, and until that, that uh, time is finished so a thousand generations is finished uh, part of which is called Abraham's bosom then uh, that's all part of the end of, of Yom's of the end of days it goes on and on and on through all that time and that's all part of the uh, of, of being in the lot to that, and so while during that that uh, continuation, uh, you know, people are waiting on this lot uh, for their uh, turn uh, to be chosen to come back in because everybody is going to get a time and a chance. Now, maybe um, the time and a chance you've already reached a point uh, that you you have overcome uh, desires of the flesh and you know you've made your commitment to God, uh, but maybe there is a destiny you have not achieved, a destiny that you are supposed to fulfill. And so if you've not had the time and chance to fulfill your destiny, then it's talking about you will come back. And 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 uh, someone might say, well, so does that mean that we automatically have to come back? No, it does not. You might live only one life and fulfill your destiny and fulfill uh, everything that you're supposed to fulfill. Uh, you know, being born again from above and all of that be fulfilled. It can happen in one life. And then you don't need to come back that way, even though you may come back uh, as, you know, as a helper, as an elect angel, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and come back to, to work with, with uh, other people that are still trying to overcome. Uh, so uh, the, these things are uh, real and they're exciting and we've got to we've got to nail it down even Cain someone says well Cain just went to the devil didn't he because <clears throat> he uh, killed his brother and then he went off and uh, you know began to marry these other uh, people you know there was the Gihon the 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 Hedekel, the Pison, the Euphrates, and he began to marry these people that didn't have souls, so he must be headed straight into, into hell. Uh, no, don't go about judging anybody. The Bible says that that it's possible for your sins, though they be scarlet, though they be blood, 
to, to be made white as snow. God can God can take uh, you know and regenerate you and purify you, and and that's why God said you know if anybody slays Cain or, or tries to do anything against him, there'll be vengeance taken on him sevenfold. Uh, that sevenfold is another use of these different seven lives uh, that that is opportune for for uh, people to be able to get their time and their chance and to find their forgiveness and and you know come into their destiny. That's Genesis 4:15. In case any of you need to look and uh, you know bring bring that up, uh, that is uh, you know very very uh, interesting thing. Okay, now <clears throat> let's um, let's get into some more good stuff here. Uh, there was a, a manifest scripture that was so beautiful. It's not just exactly on the subject of of uh, regeneration, uh, but uh, it, it is really beautiful. And it's uh, MIV, which means it's the Manifest Peace Bible scripture. Um, and it's First Peter two four, and it says, "For Yahweh Christ took on the born to die mortal body." and made mortalness a living bridge to eternalness. Although Yaviel's concept was rejected by the traditionalists of humankind, Yael's insights were precious and chosen of God. I just, you know, I, I just almost tremble when I read things like that, uh, revealed by the Spirit. It's just uh, absolutely, you know, beautiful. All right, uh, turn with me to John 3.3. 3. <clears throat> John 3.3, 3, um, in the KJV, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of, of God. Any... Um, scholar, any person that's in, 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 into the the original words uh, knows that what it really says is must be born again from above. So the MIV says for John 3.3 3, Then Jesus answered Truly, truly I say, except a person be born again from above it is not possible to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this thing about being born again from above um, is like you know, ultimately rejoining the mind consciousness with God. And so, uh, if it takes you two times, three times, four times, five times of regeneration, uh, which Jesus says, "Follow me in the regenerations." Follow me. If it takes that many times till you can rejoin a God and rejoin Christ and and uh, uh, enter back into that uh, consciousness that you had with God before you fell and became a fallen oath in Him, then that is absolutely essential. And and so even this scripture here about you know um, being born again uh, from above. Uh, is why Jesus said, uh, you know, he that will be saved is, is he that shall endure unto the end. Uh, however many uh, regenerations that you have to go through, uh, 
you know, whatever that end is, because we're we're all in the with the end of time. We're we're all uh, everything that is happening right now between now and the 70,000 uh, years, in which in, I think it's the fourth chapter of Galatians, it says that covenant still stands. It's not broken. And um, I think that we didn't understand that that is all part of the end of time. It stretches on those 70,000 years. And it is all that is all called the first death. No matter how many times you live and die in these regenerations, that's all called the first death. But the second death is a spiritual death. And if you go into the second death, then you have done something very destructive to your soul. And we won't get into that today, but that is a totally different thing. So the second death is not even considered when you're just talking about, you know, bodies uh, that live and die and, and resurrect and, and that are rejuvenated or that are uh, regenerated. Uh, it, it, that is all part of the, of the end of time. That is all part of the first death. Uh, but but when you know you go beyond that or outside of that and get into the second death, then you have undermined everything that the first death is available for to help you to ultimately overcome. <coughs> so I hope that's clear. I hope I'm not uh, jamming too much at you. Uh, eventually, we'd like to have uh, a small book. Um, about the articles uh, in the lost language of Ah, the the, he, the Hebrew words uh, that appear in the Old Testament as uh, revelation, uh, but they're uh, enfolded as fragments of lost truth, and and there has to be uh, you know a re rejuvenation of those uh, meanings, and that is this revelation. Uh, you know that is described uh, if you looked up um, um, uh, the Strong's Concordance Hebrew 8666 uh, 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 or sometimes people pronounce it uh, which um, talks about a reoccurrence in time or place uh, to be expired but return to life again um, you know, to turn back, to recall, to render again, to restore, to back again. Uh, also found in Strong's Concordance, Hebrew 7725. So Hebrew uh, Strong's Concordance uh, um, 8666 and Hebrews 7725. Um, uh, there are all these uh, really beautiful connections that, that uh, words that are just sort of lost words uh, uh, like Strong's Hebrew 262 Akva an utterance, a declaration which is all part of this lost uh, language of Akva the lost language of Ah uh, yes we we definitely want to get into that one of these days uh, that that is all part of the art coming up the road now I quoted this scripture uh partially and I, I want to read it it's Matthew nineteen twenty eight and Jesus said unto them Verily verily I say unto you 
that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory you shall also sit upon the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel that's the KJV here's the um, MIV and Jesus said to his disciples you have followed me in many transformations if you follow me when I the son of humankind enter the trans regeneration into the glory of my throneship then you shall also enter into the glory circuits of my throneship as Ophan Ophan uh, gods uh, uh, as Ophan god angels to guardianship over other kinsmen of God beautiful it just is saying that this thing about regeneration regeneration is is Bible it's just big time Bible and it's very very important uh, you know that that we are in that now we talked about in that scripture in Hebrews about is appointed and uh, you know unto men um, that that scripture uh, that we showed that that the word um, uh, 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 that the word once has to come before uh, the word men uh, a point of men a point that once men die um, here we we have in job 7 1 um, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth and are not his days also like the days of a hireling um, <clears throat> MIV of the masses of humanity is not each one appointed a time to live on earth and is not such a one's days like a temporal assignment of work? Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.1 MIV There are dispensations that apply to all things, and every destiny is assigned a time. There are cycles of birth, and cycles of death, and cycles of seeding, and cycles of harvest. Ecclesiastes uh, 3.1 and 3.2 uh, those are are all very Im- important scriptures. Um, <clears throat> in the book of Matthew 13 and uh, 30, uh, it talks about um, uh, let both. Let's talk about the, the the harvest and the tares. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles, burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, MIV, allow the people to develop as they will until their times of regeneration are complete. Then I will say to the angels authoritatively, Group up and separate the salvation rejectors from those who are regenerated. And having done so, leave those who rejected salvation to their own burning consciences. Job 14.14, MIV. If a person dies, does that person live again? Of course. Therefore, even with all the regenerations of my warring in the flesh, I will hold on to hope until I am born again from above. Now, I've quoted this several times, so I need to at least have told you where it's at. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.11, MIV, As I look back in, in time to days that had passed under the sun, I observed the race not to the swift, 
nor the battle to the strong, neither bread to the wise, nor yet favor to persons of skill. But to each person are accorded a time and opportunity. Ecclesiastes 9.11 Every person, every individual, every human being, every mortal is going to get a time and is going to get a chance. First Peter seven uh, seven seventeen. Remember, when you call by grace upon the Father who treats us all uh, humans without respect of one person's humanity over another person's humanity, then also remember, in your sojourns here on earth, to fearfully keep that same equal respect for all other people. It's just another one of the many scriptures that teach that God is not a respecter of persons. And so when this time and this chance are offered, everyone is getting that chance. And when John 3.16 was given, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That was given to the whole world. It was not exclusive. Job 14.7, MIV. For there is hope for any person who is permanently cut off from life that such a person will be regenerated so that person's connection of aura soul will not, without sensible reason, perish. Titus 3.16 And by regenerations, washings, of regeneration and renewing process of, of the Holy Ghost which by mercy Yahweh shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ Yahweh our Savior these experiences of going through those regenerations have the effect of being washings we, we are washed we, we are purified uh, by those experiences by those experiences. So it, it is, uh, I'm showing Titus 3, um, 6. Um, but uh, you might also check to see uh, if if uh, if it's 3, 5. I'm showing something different for 3, 5. So 3, 6 should be correct. Um, anyway, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 12, it says, For now we see as though we were looking through a glazed over window but a succession will come when we will clearly see who we really are and who others really are for now we only have physical recognition but then I shall know each one by unspiritual angelic reality as I am now known by my heavenly father I'm throwing these scriptures in that's 1 Corinthians 13 12 because they're just so beautifully connected to this whole revelation of regeneration that uh, it's just not something that a person wants to, to, to miss. Now, here's a real good one. First John 3.9 Let me read in the KJV. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, he cannot sin. 
because he is born of God. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin, because he is born of God. MIV. Whosoever is born of God overcomes the carnal body and needs not to be rebirthed by regenerations anymore. For your oral soul that is in God, the I am, cannot commit sin, and as long as you keep awareness of your oral soul, you will not sin as a human either. If you are truly born again, uh, this is 1 John 5, 4, then you are born again as a God, for you have at last overcome the carnal world. The victory to overcome the carnal world can only be uh, produced by your belief of this truth in Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 18. Whosoever becoming, the one I just read was 1 John 5, 4, and now 1 John 5, 18. Whosoever becoming born again as a, as a god of angel no longer commits the sin of making the human body an idol, but knows unself as uh, un was once known. When the time of this knowledge is fully manifested, Lucifer, Satan's appeal, will never attract such ones again. So here's where we are, folks. <clears throat> we, um, uh, there is no way that I'm going to be able to finish this today. And right now it's a little bit after 9. And I think I'm going to stop right there. And then we're going to have another session. I think one more session I can get some of these incredible other teachings about regeneration and the scriptures, uh, you know, put with it for next week. And wow, we really have a neat uh, series. All those uh, series can be put into, into like those three can be put into a, a pamphlet or a book, and you'll have some really neat information about regeneration. So we're going to stop there, and and we will uh, we will come back to this uh, when um, uh, we begin next week. And there is some wonderful stuff. I mean, possibly some of the best stuff that uh, we haven't even touched. I mean, uh, next week we'll be touching on you know abortion. Uh, what happens to the these children that that are aborted? What happens to them? Uh, we, we want to talk about. Uh, prescribed uh, fate. Uh, uh, we we want to talk about <clears throat> prior lives. Um, we're, we're going to talk about um, what is the term that the Bible uses about people that are uh, you know uh, regenerated. Um, uh, we want to uh, also talk more about um, about children who die and. Uh, we're going to use some very interesting scriptures on that uh, for all of the connectedness that go with that. Um, <coughs> we want to talk about, in that sense, about the scripture <coughs> that says it is not God's plan for evil doers to populate the earth, and how the consequences of that has some very important connections to some of the philosophical ideas that are being taught out there in tradition. Um, we, uh, you know, we're going to get into so many really, really neat things uh, this next uh, time around. Uh, we, you know, uh, we we want to give um, actual scriptures, actual scriptures, uh, giving proof 
that the dead will be regenerated to live another life in a physical body. Actual scriptures. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of them. I haven't even touched on them. That are going to be so clear that when you hear them, you're going to say, my God, how could anybody, how could anybody miss these incredible truths? How could anybody miss them? So, uh, we're going to um, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I touched on it a little bit today, about, but about the first death or the first resurrection as referred to the sleeps. Oh, well, it just goes on. There's so much, much more to uh, consider. Um, we're going to talk about, um, instead of the word hate, we're going to talk about uh, people that commit anti-love actions and uh, how that, that all ties in to uh, the future and what has to do with these subjects that we are referring to. So it's utterly interesting and, and exciting. Um, I, um, I'm not going to do a Gentile today. Uh, I'm going to instead uh, bring our uh, service to a close. Um, but I want to tell you that we love you and we appreciate you. And hang in there with us, folks. We're trying to get these Bible, this Bible done and all these other things. It's a tremendous amount of work. And uh, hang in there with us. We love you.